Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them and that he was also a necrophiliac. You are now listening to the True Crime to your host, Maddie Mack, Todd Fox, Jabby Dad. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Matt Matt, along with our other host of the show, Jabby, and the other host of the show, Todd Fox. And we also have a special guest for this week, uh, coming in from uh, Auburn, Washington. Uh, this is Jeff Howell. He's going to be coming in and giving us a, uh, a story for us. So let's go ahead and introduce yourself, Jeff. Yeah, I'm Jeff Howell, and I'm living in Auburn, Washington. And uh, today we're going to be doing the story of Gary Leon Ridgeway, also known as the Green River Killer. There we go. There we go. So that's going to be our story for today. But before we get into the story, I want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Just type in the Grinding True Crime Podcast. And also, if you want to listen to us, you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and Pandora. And for those who are listening to us outside of the country, which we greatly appreciate, you can continue to listen to us on Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Also, if you go to redbubble.com and type in Todd Fox 80, you can purchase some merchandise. And last but not least, please give us a five star liking. We greatly appreciate it. And another thing, this story may be graphic and might not be uh, good for children. So listener discretion is always advised. Okay. That got everything out the way, Todd? I think so. I think you're good. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, first time we had a special guest and we greatly appreciate it. So thank you, Jeff, for coming in all the way from Washington to give us a story. So I'm going to shut my mouth and let you take it away. Here is Jeff, what possibly could be a multiple part story. Take it away, Jeff. All right. All right. So, um, this story today, I'm bringing you uh, Gary Leon Ridgeway, and many people may have heard of uh, Gary Ridgeway being the Green River Killer. Um, a lot of his murders were uh, here in state of Washington, actually. Just that's why I kind of wanted to do the story. So it's kind of close to home, huh? Actually, real close. Uh, believe it. the Green River actually runs through Auburn, Washington, uh, parts of it, but it's mainly uh, Kent, uh, Des Moines area, which is south of Seattle. Okay. But uh, not too far from Seattle, but um, but in that vicinity. But okay. anyways, uh. Gary Leon Ridgway, I guess I'll just start by, you know, basic stuff. He was born 
February 18th, 1949 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Mm. Um, to his parents, Thomas and Mary Ridgway. He was a middle child uh, and he had an older brother and a younger brother. Okay. So at an early age, his mother was very kind of like a domineering mother. Um, he also had issues wedding the bed up until age 13. Jeez. Oh, that's the sign. Um, yep. Yeah, kind of a sign, you know, he wasn't really, uh, you know, I don't know what that issue was, but I do know that his mother would wash his genitals and um, at that age, at that age too, yeah, Whoa. yeah, that's and, weird. That's when you're finding yourself puberty-wise, and then <laughs> you have your mom washing your genitals. That's not yeah. exactly, that yeah. doesn't exactly do wonders for your uh, psyche. None at all. Yeah, that's that's kind of considered a abuse. That's weird. Yeah. 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 So. You know, in that situation, you know, he developed, you know, um, sexual attraction and had fantasies from uh, on his own mother from from having her do that. Um, well, here we go. <laughs> he he fantasized killing her in cases as well, so in, in certain uh, cases as well. So he was not really a fan of his mother but at the same time he was kind of a weird love-hate relationship yeah, it, doesn't so... really, it doesn't really have a lot of detail on what his relationship was like with his parents mm -hmm. um, his father was a bus driver and his father actually would let it be known that he hated prostitution mm. and okay. you know this is this is during a time where, you know, that stuff was going on, but it wasn't like real like popular, you know, it mm -hmm. we're talking about probably when he's 13 years old, this is probably what in the, you know, sixties, early sixties, early yeah. sixties. So, you know, it was around and, um, his father let it be known that he did not like that. Um, so I don't know if that had part to, uh, you know, Gary Ridgway's, uh, a part in his later fantasies or whatnot, but mm -hmm. right. I believe, go I'm, ahead. I was going to say right now, I'm just picturing Gary playing catch with his father and his father just randomly saying you know i hate prostitutes and then, <laughs> and then, and then he says uh, hey son i think that's enough catch i think you should go in and get your genitals washed by your mom and have a good night say your prayers before you go to sleep that's why i'm kind of picturing that that's his well, everyday kind of life i don't know what do you think yeah. his dad knew about that i yeah, i would hope not yeah oh i know I know that it it does have some uh, detail on his mom and dad. They they would fight, and it doesn't really explain. Like I don't know if there was infidelity with his dad, or if his mom did on his dad, or the dad was doing cheating on the wife. But I know that 
you know, later on in the story, we'll hear about Gary Ridgway having those issues himself in his life. So, um, nonetheless, um, his relationship with his mother was kind of uh, odd, you know. Very odd. Extreme. So, in his teenage years, though, growing up and going into high school, at age 16, uh, he stabbed a six-year-old boy. No. Um, he did not kill him, but he did stab him. And uh, that was... That was his first, I guess, victim as a child. Um, okay. Was the kid was, a neighbor or a family? It it doesn't really say. Um, oh, okay. I don't know if he was hiking through the woods and he stabbed this boy. Um, well, he's already showing some kind of aggression. That's definitely an impulse thing, yeah. Um, stabbed him through his ribs into his liver. Oh, good lord. And so that, that didn't was kill him. <clears throat> it did not kill him. He survived. Wow. Strong kid. Mm-hmm. So other than that, at his young age, his IQ was recorded to be in the low eighties. Mm, okay. This is Gary Gary Ridgeway. So I don't think he was mentally all there no i said i don't think so either i don't like yeah based off what i'm hearing definitely sounds like he has some kind of mental uh issues going on yeah and the and the and the real sad thing is it's it's i don't think he had such a real i mean i wasn't in that situation but it doesn't seem like he had like a real troubled childhood he wasn't beaten by his parents i mean it wasn't like know it was rough he did have an older brother and a younger brother and you know i don't think that they grew up in poverty you know but uh Mm -hmm. who knows you know it doesn't really explain a lot about his childhood yeah any information that i can get from but ridgeway graduated from taiyi high school in 1969 and he married right out of high school his 19 year old girlfriend claudia craig oh wow young love so he was able to graduate and he get married at a young age uh shortly after that marriage he joined the united states navy and was sent to vietnam here's another one so Uh, Vietnam, everyone knows about Vietnam. It's kind of a crazy war. Uh, yep. A lot of stuff happened out there. Uh, during his time in Vietnam, I mean, he did see combat. So, um, but during his time, more than what his combat, what it entailed, uh, he had frequent sexual intercourse with sex workers and contracted various sexual uh, diseases. 
while while he was in Vietnam. And it was kind of common, you know. I don't know if you guys know history of Vietnam, but a lot Mm -hmm. of soldiers, a lot of soldiers were messing around with prostitutes out there. Yeah, I was going to say, my uncle actually served in Nam. And one thing I kind of, I don't know for sure, I wasn't there, but one thing I've heard is that sometimes... Uh, a tactic that the Vietnam soldiers would use were women. They would, you know, purposely get them like AIDS or something like that. And because a lot of the soldiers were having sex with them. And that was one tactic of weakening the U.S. by getting the women these certain diseases. Like, they, I don't know if they were injecting them. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not saying this is a true story, but that's something I heard. Venereal diseases and gonorrhea. I mean, yeah, I think the veterans just wanted to bring something home with them. You know, <laughs> you know, say, hey, you know, we were in the Philippines and look what I got. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know, but that was the one tactic I heard that that would be used. It's like they they met a couple of their vets when they came back to California. Like, hey, you know what? Uh, does it burn when you pee? Yeah, me too. All right, <laughs> got the same thing. Was it Cassandra? Well, that was also Cassandra. that was during the time of the uh, the hippie era, right? Like, you know, free love. I oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You know, spread it all over the world, right? Well, see, they were raping the women over there, and then plus they were indulging in prostitutes too. So who knows where they got it? Yeah, that's what I knew about. It was common that the towns they would attack, they would rape the women. Yeah, yeah. good point. <clears throat> that the the Americans weren't exactly nice over there. So yeah, yeah. So he contracted gonorrhea, amongst other things, uh, and uh, this. Basically, you know, it led to him having a short-term marriage. Um, that marriage oh, did not at all. He came home, and I don't know if he spread that disease to his wife. Their marriage did not last. It was actually ended within a year. Ooh, man. Oh, man. That's, that's like Mike Tyson. As far as that goes, he was into prostitution. Prostitution. Um, in 1973, he met a Marsha Lauren Brown, and they got married. So not too long after he got divorced, he was married again. Mm. And by this time, he had served his uh, service. He was not in the military no more. As far as I know, he served a one-term and that was it. So he was a vet. Yeah. It doesn't say anything about him getting discharged. So I think he served his term and uh, went on to his second marriage. He must okay. have convinced his new wife that warts are uh, common <laughs> on the genitals. Yeah. How do we know yet? <laughs> I'm just guessing. That's all. I'm just guessing. <laughs> I had a lot of he must have had something. <laughs> yeah. He's all, it's normal to be like that. <laughs> She's like, okay. Oh. Sorry, so, Jeff. We do a lot of jokes here, man. Yeah, sorry. Oh, oh yeah, we yeah. We're mean that no ill will. <laughs> no, I listened to all your episodes. I love the jokes. Okay. There we go. Thank you. Make it great. Um, who knows? Maybe I'll throw in some stupid crap too, but <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I haven't got I haven't got there yet, but uh okay. <laughs> during his second marriage though. He became very religious, um, but he would demand sex from his new wife, Marsha, 
he wanted sex in public places sex oh, in the woods oh, wow. sex in the woods um and he had just a sexual appetite he wanted sex with his new wife all the time up to maybe three to five times a day a day jeez man he, he, he's an animal like he's headed somewhere bad give me half that he's sex drive <laughs> yeah so he had a very very high sex drive um and the and the fact that he wanted to have sex out in public places like no maybe maybe, maybe not public places but in the woods yeah. it kind of makes you yeah. wonder you know well, where was he having sex with I was just you know about to say the same thing Jeff women in Vietnam you know out mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere and, and you know and whatnot it was like his fantasy, you know? He was just very sexually in tune with his self. Like he was trying to relive that. Yeah, or good he point. just he just had sexual, a lot of sexual uh, fantasies. And uh, so this went on and uh, he would have rough sex with Marsha. Um, often he would place her in chokeholds Oh man! Um, demand rough sex from her while being uh, religious and stuff, and quoting Bible quotes and stuff like that, and just being <laughs> kind of, you know, kind of a religious nut, kind of. That's oh, okay. Really- so, not to cut you off, Jeff. Now, when you say he was religious, like was he a pastor or he was just, you know, going to church and? It's professing. Oh, it, it basically says like he became like a born again Christian kind of type of dude. Oh, where I don't know if you know that type of religious person. I don't. I don't. I really know. know. I, I. Yeah, I'm familiar. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he would just quote the Bible and read the Bible and say stuff, you know, and just he just became a religious person. But at the same time, he was Very committing dominant. sin. And, you know, this time while he was married to with Marsha, he was still having sex with prostitutes. Wow. So he would go and cheat on his wife. And um, in 1975, they did have a son. So two years into the relationship, he has a son, Matthew Ridgeway. And... uh, about six years later, they divorced in 1981. Didn't see that coming, right? Yeah, I mean, like, mm-hmm. normally when I'm getting choked out by my lover, I don't like them quoting, a, <laughs> like, Psalms 24-7 says, take this choke. You know, yeah, I don't know. It's not really sexually appealing. <laughs> what do they say? The Bible says that... Uh... At your height, Todd, I highly doubt you've ever been choked out. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Good hey, that's a good point. <laughs> He's too tall. <laughs> I'd have to hey, be. I'm, in I'm quite sure he he abused the the scripture where it says the women are you know the the head the men are the head of the family. I'm quite sure he abused that scripture a lot. And the, and the women are the weaker vessel. Yeah, the women are the weaker. Well, I'm quite yeah, sure. It showed he took what it was convenient. Yeah. Yikes. In '81, they divorced, and it was due to infidelity. But it also says infidelities by both partners. Oh. Oh. So I don't know if, yeah, maybe those chokeholds just 
<laughs> Trover to like go have normal sex with someone else. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. I wouldn't blame no. her if he was that aggressive. You you don't yeah. No. You yeah, know, I mean, if he was aggressive in the sense of like, you know, I just want to have sex normal, <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> like I don't want to. Put me on the chokehold, babe. You're dead. I don't want this guy like praying and then putting me in a chokehold. And... <laughs> I, I know Jeff's right. The the girl's probably like, you know what? I just want to lay down on my back. Just give me some wine and let's have normal sex. That's how I want to go crazy. So. Back to the religious thing, it just says that he would he would go door to door and read the Bible aloud to uh, co-workers um, and at home. Interesting. And he would insist that his wife follow the strict teachings of their pastor. Wow. Ridgeway would also frequently cry after, you know, sermons or reading the Bible. Wow. But during all this time, you know, he still buying prostitutes, <laughs> putting his wife in chokeholds, and wow. you know, having sex in inappropriate places. So, you know, all it, she cheated on him for, I mean, there's no real good reason to cheat, but I guess she had a semi-good reason. I, I mean, in this case, Jeff, I might have to make an exception. <laughs> yeah. I agree with him. There is no good reason, but I mean, there is circumstances that will drive you to that. Yeah, exactly. He so, didn't have an affectionate relationship. It was more go. of a dominant was, yeah, yeah. aggression. And you know, women love to be loved and compassion. Women have to be loved, okay? Yeah, so um, <laughs> that's about how that second marriage went. So this is now two failed marriages. Two failed marriages. A lot of sexually transmitted diseases. And a lot of prostitutes. <laughs> and a son. Oh, yeah, and a son. I forgot about that. So this <laughs> brings us to about 1982, right? Mm-hmm. In the 80s. I was two years old. I wasn't thought of. <laughs> I wasn't either. <laughs> I was still wedding myself, but that's uh, that was natural. That was natural. <laughs> yeah. So I was born in 1982. Oh, there you go. There you go, Jeff. In December of 1982, his killings. Uh Uh-oh. So July 15th, 1982 is a date of when the first body of Ridgeway's first victim was found. I have a huge feeling on which women it is. Well, not well, which women, which, which type. type of women. Yeah. Yeah. So, July 1982, children were playing along the uh, Green River, mm-hmm. and they saw a body of a Wendy Caulfield floating in the river. Mm. Dang. Um, so a couple of kids, you know, found this and, you know, what do you do? You kind of go in for a closer look, but, you know, they eventually went and told authorities, you know, Hey, there's a, there's a body of a woman floating in there basically. Yeah. 
Because usually uh, what everyone says is, oh, that's a mannequin. Looks like a mannequin. 99% of the time, it's not a mannequin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the chan- You know what are the chances of a man? There's more of a chance of an actual real body floating in a river than a damn mannequin. Yeah, or, or especially up in that area, you, you could probably see a better chance of seeing a Sasquatch than a real mannequin in the water. You know, no one's going to go to <laughs> Sears and be like, you know what? I don't want this mannequin anymore. I'm going to throw it in the river. It's usually a dead body. Yep. Yes, exactly. Um, so before I go into uh, this part, um, I'm, uh, she was found, she's about 16 years old, and she was strangled. 15? 16 years old. Oh, 16, okay. <clears throat> um, she disappeared July 8th, found July 15th. Oh, full week. Dang. So about a week later. Yeah. And um, in the water, she must have been decomposed a lot. Yeah, bloated probably too. Definitely bloated. Yeah. Deborah Bonner, 23 years old, was found floating face down in a river. And that's how far um, away from this first one? Not very far. Still in the same Green River. Okay. Yeah, because the Green River is a long freaking river. Yes. So same area. We're talking like probably in the Kent or Auburn area. Your neck of the woods. Yep, yep. yep. Exactly. So um, it is kind of a long river, but it's, you know, if it's obviously not the longest river, but it, it, it does cover some some stretch of land out here. Yeah, because doesn't it go through like six cities or something like that? Yeah. Something like that. Kent, and all that, you know, all through there. Mm-hmm. Or July 12th and found on the 25th or whatever, four weeks after the first one. And two weeks after she went missing. And she too was strangled, right? Or Also strangled. Yeah. Ugh. So just to give you an idea real quick, those are the first two victims found. Um, <clears throat> just to give you an idea of what we're gonna go through, all of Gary Ridgway's victims were strangled, strangulation. Either they were choked to death or they were uh, strangled by use of clothes or his bare hands. <laughs> None of his victims were beaten. There were no weapons used. There was no guns, no knives, no no beating, nothing. It was all strangulation. Imagine being strangled to death. Like, ugh. Well, that's what he liked sexually. So. Yeah. So that's kind of... Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, very interesting, and which is why... A lot of this stuff went on for a long time, and when you when when we get into the the sheer number of what we're talking about, you'll understand why this case is kind of it'll go short, and it it won't be as long and dragged out as if it were like a shooting or someone using a knife to kill someone. Yeah, the details are very just basic. Body found body discovered decomposed strangled. and strangled but they all lead to that green river huh well not all of them i mean there's 
and we'll and we'll get yeah. into that. We'll get into that. Well, this so guy, jeez, this guy was a so, monster. Yeah. So August fifteenth, three more bodies are found. Three more. Three more. Five already. Five. So one of them is found in shallow water, and her name is Marcy Chapman. She's only thirty-one. Oh wow! And then a seventeen-year-old Cynthia Hens is also found in the shallow water. And then a few yards away, an Opal Mills sixteen was found. So not in the water, but a few yards away in some tall grass. And uh, she was strangled. All of these women are strangled. Opal Mills was found with uh, her trousers knotted around her neck, breast exposed, and bruises on her arms and legs. So these women were raped, strangled, and basically left either floating or just in wherever, wherever he decides to dump these bodies. And they were, if if I'm not mistaken, they were looking for one and they found three that day. Exactly. Yeah. God. Well, no, at the, I think they're just, they're, they're combing the area is what they're doing. Oh, okay. Okay. And you know, in that same area where they found the other two. Because by this time, and I forgot to mention this, I'm sorry about that. Um, no, actually, no, we're, we're good. Okay. That's the next step. Um, so after these five bodies, you know, are discovered all in the same area, and we're talking maybe, you know, no less than a couple miles apart from where all these five are found. Um, they set up the Green River Task Force. Oh, yes. To investigate, you know, what is going on. Um, I think the investigators start uh, piecing together that all of these women have things in common. Mm-hmm. They're all reported missing, and they all are either runaways or sex workers. Dang! And they're most well. The, you read five names. One was sixteen. One was what? Twenty-four, thirty-one, seventeen, and sixteen. More than half were teenagers. Yeah. Yes. So. Jesus. Um, runaways and uh, sex workers and a lot of you know believe it or believe it or not you know as a runaway back in the 70s 80s or like you know maybe even the late 60s a lot of teenage girls did become sex workers yeah they didn't have they didn't really have anywhere to go and they needed to make money and you know they aren't going to get a job at the restaurant if they're a runaway. Yeah, that's true. So it's, you know, it was just a way of life back then of, 
and it still is a way of life now, unfortunately. Things haven't really changed that much. Yeah, also up and down the coast right there, along with what Jeff's saying, you had the prostitution, the easy money, the drugs, and then you also had hitchhikers. So if you weren't getting snatched up hitchhiking, you were getting snatched up as a prostitute. Mm. Yeah, correct. Um, so um, that's his first five victims. <clears throat> And uh, they developed the task force, which is led by uh, Detective Dave Reichert mm-hmm. and Robert Robert Keppel, were the two main uh, detectives that were assigned to this case and basically developed this task force. Okay. So... Over the next couple years, this Green River Task Force uh, would basically uh, discover that this was amounting to like about 40 other women that were killed in that span. 40 other? Yeah. Found the same way? All found the same way. Whoa! So pretty um, much every single person he was sleeping with, huh? Yeah, basically. So after his second divorce, and we're talking about like 1982, and we'll get into, you know, the next couple years or whatever, he went on a rampage, basically. I see. Um, and all of these, all of the women had all everything in common. They were all aged like 13 to 40 years old. No one really over 40. And a lot of the, you know, and I think only one of them is 40. <laughs> all of them are real, all of them are real young and they're prostitutes or runaways. Um, mm. And yes, and a lot of them were raped and strangled from behind. So what he would do is in interviews, he had stated that he would be having sex with them from behind and he would just use his elbow and choke him out that way. Oh. Okay. So, you know, we're all adults, so he had him in doggy, and then he would just put his elbow in the back of their neck and just strangle them like that? Yeah, and uh, just a little bit of a insight on his physical type. He was kind of like a stocky dude. Mm. had like a muscular physique. And we're talking about like teenagers in most cases. Yeah, yeah. He, he overpowered just, them. He overpowered them, and uh, you know he uh, he wasn't like a scrawny dude. He kind of had like a build on him. Got gotcha. you. April thirtieth, nineteen eighty three. Um, this is when he becomes a, a suspect, actually. So now they got a tip on him? They do. They, well, what happens is, yeah. Um, in 1983, he picks up a prostitute named Maria Malvar. She's 18 years old, and she was seen getting into his truck um, by her boyfriend. Boyfriend says he 
she got into his truck, described what the dude looked like, kind of described what the truck looked like. And uh, about four days later, the police get to Ridgeway's house, question him about her disappearance. And he basically denies everything. Yeah, so it probably went down as, you know, the detectives knocked on the door. They say, Mr. Ridgeway, can we talk to you about something? They asked him the questions. And then the two cops look at each other and be like, die, I think he's good. All right, bye. <laughs> bye. And they walk away. <laughs> Just let him go. Bad old police boy, yeah. right, Todd? Exactly. Great, great, uh, great detective skills there. I'm just saying, if the boyfriend described it, first of all, why is he, she getting in the car if she has a boyfriend? Not my, I don't know. But he's pimping her out, probably. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it was like he was her pimp or something. Oh, okay. Well, that then that makes total sense. Okay, so he describes it to the T. Describes who he looks like. Describes the car. They go and check it out, and he denies everything. And they just, oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. So, um, however, though, before that, before that, this is basically when he became like kind of like a suspect. He was like on their radar, kind of. Mm -hmm. But in 1980, he he had a charge. His first incident with choking a prostitute. He was arrested for that, but the charges were dropped. Um, Just lack of evidence or Mm. uh the way he talked at his way out of that probably saying they got to a fight and whatever you know i didn't kill her but i don't really know um it didn't really go into details it just said the charges were dropped on that one got it got it and i think in 1982 they uh Pulled him in for questioning for that and got a mugshot as well. But basically, 1983 is when uh, they kind of are like tying him together with stuff. Mm. But during that whole time, a lot of people are uh, disappearing and people are being found, bodies are being found everywhere Dang. you would think people would be alert like hey man you know a lot of these prostitutes are getting picked off you know be on the lookout you know what i'm saying like you, you know, would think the prostitutes would stop prostituting i wouldn't say they'll stop prostitute but you know word would travel you know what i'm saying word travels on the street you would think you know they would mean, have... if clearly the prostitutes are being targeted like automatically there's a big amount of women already that money talk yeah it's kind of hard because some of these prostitutes they, that's all they know so that's all they know yeah. <clears throat> if they're not trying to keep a shelter for their kids that they do have and keep them off the street then they're trying to support their drug habit so one of the yep. one of the two they're trying to really work hard for so so it's it's it's, it's the risk they gotta take you know what i'm saying because yeah. like like you said what if their kids are involved they they gotta do what they gotta do and it sucks because it's like on one hand you're like man i wish they would have pepper spray or they have a knife or something with them but it's like when you work that kind of job you kind of can't wear anything so it's not like you can be having sex with a knife strapped to your, your waist <laughs> right, you know? good point just saying 
good point. Yeah, so during this whole time, you know, we're talking about like two years between 1982 and 1983. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are either disappearing and being found or just disappearing and not being found. Um, a lot of a lot of his victims aren't found for till years later, you know, um, whether they're just badly decomposed or just he dumped them somewhere where you're just not going to find them. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a lot of the cases. And then there's a few that still haven't been found, but yeah. are, that are I, are still tied to him. And there's a few others that he hasn't like confessed to, but mm -hmm. um, but they suspect that they are his victim. Mm. So if I get it, so if I get into uh, all this stuff, it's kind of that's where it makes it kind of hard because it's a lot of stuff to go over and. Uh, I have it, but that's why it needs to be a couple parts. Now I got to, yeah. So you want to uh, end, it, end it on this one, on, on that? No, how much time do we got? How long has it been? Uh, Well, you got time. You get to, let's see. It's been about a good 35. Yeah, 35 minutes so far. 40 oh, minutes. okay. So we'll go over the year of 1982. Okay. And then we'll see where we're at after that. Sounds okay. good. Okay. And what it what this basically is going to be is basically a list of victims. Okay. So we've counted what six, five victims so far. Yeah, five, five that victims. you went through. Yeah. Alrighty then. So we have a Giselle Lovorn, seventeen. She disappeared. July 17th, 1982. And she was found September 25th, 1982. Oh, dang. So not mm -hmm. about maybe a week, a little over a week. Um, Terry Milligan, 16. She disappeared August 29th in 1982. Um, we're just going over victims that disappeared in 1982. Okay. That, that, uh, and then she was found two years later in 1984. Whoa. And two years later? Two years later. Jesus. Um, so the first one I told you, uh, the first, the first five victims were all found in the city of Kent, Washington. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm along the green river uh the mm. giselle one that i went over she was found in des moines washington which is just a little south of the airport it's yeah. actually right it it actually is like right by the airport but obviously there's woods and stuff around that area terry milligan was found in auburn washington mm -hmm. get into a mary meehan 18 she disappeared September 15, 1982, and she was found November 1983. 
uh, in Des Moines. This victim was also pregnant at the time. Oh. And uh, funny one about, well, not funny, but in an interview, he he actually denied that uh, he knew anything about her being pregnant. Mm -hmm. But according to uh, when they found the body a year later, she was very far along in her pregnancy. Oh, but he he uh he denied that he denied that he had he didn't have any idea that she was pregnant, and a lot of that has to do with like they tried they tried to charge him with two murders for that one. Dang. Because of the unborn child and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Deborah Estes. She was 15, and she disappeared September 20th. She was found May 30th, 1988, in Federal Way. Dang. Then we have a Linda Rule. She was 16. She disappeared September 26th, 1982, and she was found January 31st, 1983, uh, in the Seattle area. <laughs> Excuse me. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, but <clears throat> um, I've been up there quite a few times uh, by the Green River and everything. Through the entire Green River, isn't it sort of like marshy, like tall grass, a uh, lot of trees? Oh, yeah. It's like a like foresty type. Yeah, it so has like it has easy, like easy to hide things. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like you can you can dump a body there and it would sit there. Or literally, if if they if if they didn't start finding bodies and searching a vast area, you know, mm -hmm. um, they wouldn't have no idea where to look. True. You know, as I'm going through this list, though, I'm kind of leaving things out because you know a lot of these victims that I'm naming off, mm -hmm. these these people are found later after he's already incarcerated after he's already caught he oh, ends up he ends up getting caught you know through uh dna years later this is years later oh I mean, he doesn't he doesn't get apprehended till 2003 get out but uh the killings eventually stop they stop in the 80s he doesn't keep killing all the way up until 2003 but uh you know, a lot of these victims that uh, that I'm naming off, he had mm -hmm. to lead. He had to lead authorities to these victims and show them, you know, where they're at. Dang! So they, so some of those bodies that they found was probably, you know, probably bones and stuff that were just. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And then in some cases too, like when he's telling investigators, there's a there's a few cases where he actually he killed so many women that he would often confuse he would often confuse the women and lead police to a certain body but it wasn't the one that they were asking about it oh, was wow. some, it was someone else but he said that you know in a couple different occasions oh well she looked just like this one so i just i don't know you know wow that's how bad this this crap is but uh <laughs> Um, as I'm going through this list, yeah, it's, uh, the Green River, yeah, it is marshy, and it is, 
probably hard to just if you're not looking for something specific you probably won't find it yep interesting um and in this this case uh denise bush 23 years old she disappeared october 8th and found in 1985 but the only thing they found was a skull oh june 12th however this skull was found all the way in tigered oregon in oregon in oregon so there were a couple cases too where he would move the body parts oh so he didn't just dump them he didn't well, just dump them right at the green eight uh green river no these are all bodies that are scattered all over the place at this point well really the first really the first the first six were along the green river and a lot of the other ones were probably along the green river as well it just gives the uh the uh city of where they were found um and in all and and not in all the cases but a lot of the cases he would often go back to them and uh have sex with the with the corpses are you serious uh, yeah, I'll get into that too. There's, I'll get into that in part two. This um, guy is so sick. Yeah. He's sick. I'll get into that in part two. Um, yeah, and uh, there's, Uh-oh. there's a, part two. A lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, cases where he does do that. Oh, so you gonna say that for part two? I'll save that piece for part two. I gotta finish up just a little bit more of this list. Before okay. I cut it, and then uh, okay, no, yeah, take, do your thing, Jeff. This is your, this is your <laughs> show right now, sir. But uh, yeah, he was into necrophilia as well. That's the most sickest thing. I I mean, there's other sick things I I can think of, but that's one of them. That is gross. It is pretty gross. He does state, like in interviews, that I mean, I don't know if this is showing some kind of like uh curb in what he was doing, but. He said that he would perform necrophilia to keep him from killing uh, another victim. So, you know, to keep him from raping more people and killing people, he would just rather just go have sex with the dead body that he already killed because he was, you know, either afraid of getting caught or he was afraid of, like, killing people and keep doing it or what. But he does state that the reason why he did necrophilia is to keep him from killing others okay so all right yeah in a sense that's uh, in a, it's still in the big scale of things <laughs> that's a good thing i guess but he still didn't stop him he still killed more yeah so it's still yeah. gross it's still gross because i don't think it curbed him very much no it i i got an urge to kill people so let me just go and break somebody i just killed so I don't kill another person. Yeah. yeah. And then I, and then I don't know if you've caught on with with what I've been saying too. Like the disappearing of these people are mm-hmm. really really close together. You know, we're talking mm-hmm. like day, we're talking days, if not mm-hmm. next day, if not. You know, this guy is just on a rampage. Yeah. You know, and it he's, makes and you he, wonder. 
and, he, and, and he's picking up prostitutes too. He's picking up prostitutes, so it's not like law enforcement is really like really giving a damn because you know these are prostitutes, you know, and it's almost like they didn't care. Yep. You know, and they got a lot of flack for that too, as I'll get into in part two. You know, this the task force and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like people are outraged at this point. Like, where are oh, all these I, people going? And how come you're not like doing your job? Well, you know, some detective would be like, "Well, first of all, they're prostitutes. Who cares?" But you know, yeah. like, some other detectives are like, "Hey, we're trying our hardest. We don't know what's going on." Like, mm-hmm. you know, and then and then you know, like these people are disappearing, but they're not finding bodies right away. Yeah. Know, as you can see where this is going and it's just going and going but i'll continue <laughs> sean shonda summers uh disappeared october 9th she was found august 11th 1983. oh man uh that's one day after denise bush so just a day apart he killed another person uh, Shirley Marie Cheryl, 18 years old. She disappeared October 20th. She was found June 14th, 1985. Also in Oregon. Tiger, Oregon. So I think those are the only two uh, bodies or body parts that were found in Oregon. The, wow. rest are all, the rest are all Washington. Wow. The only part of Washington I've been to is Spokane. I don't know how far that is to where this is at, but uh, that's where he—that's actually where he's locked up. Oh wow! Well, no, no, he's in Walla Walla, so I don't know how far that is from Spokane. I think that's actually south of Spokane, but um, that's a funny name. That almost made me laugh, but um. <laughs> well, if this is south of Seattle. It must be like five hours away. Well, Spokane is east. It's mm-hmm. eastern Washington, and that's mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably like five hours from Seattle. Mm. I'm only 45. I've only I'm only 45 minutes from Seattle, but no, none of his victims were found that far east. Okay. All of his, all of his victims are found really. The furthest ones are Oregon, in Tiger. Oh, okay. that's that's more north, right? Yeah, and he would move the bodies. Uh, mm. A lot of these, a lot of these victims too were actually they weren't. They were killed at his house, and he he. He took them to his house, raped them, had sex with them, probably killed them in the house, and then transported the bodies and dumped the bodies wherever. That's what I was thinking. Like you know, um, not not all of them. Some of some of them he did kill out in the woods or whatever. But a majority yeah. of them would take them home first, kill them, yeah. and and then dump their body off. But uh, that's what I was thinking because uh, you know you picking them up in the car. I'm quite sure he didn't do it in the car. He must have took him to like a hotel or somewhere. Oh yeah, and he had a scheme set up. Like he had like, you know, he used his son as a pawn. Like, oh yeah, I have a son and you know, uh, would you like to meet my son? He would tell all these young girls that, you know, like he would have toys in his truck as like, oh, okay, this guy's cool. He's not, he has a family. He's not gonna, yeah, not gonna he kill him, you know? Like he's not the Green River killer. Cause a lot of these prostitutes, they all know each other, you know? Yeah. And they're not yeah. really that, they're not really that naive. They're like, oh, we should probably be careful. There's a killer. But then they are kind of naive. Somebody completely different. 
exactly because he doesn't fit the profile and he made yeah. sure that he, he made sure of that too the way he would talk to them the way that he would pick them up the way he had like you know his son's toys in the car or wow. whatever hey would you like to meet my son and he would show pictures off to the to these young women and they're just like oh yeah he's not the killer and then shit yeah sure enough <laughs> he got um, elbow in the back of your neck I think all things considered, hindsight being what it is, <clears throat> maybe if I'm a prostitute back then, that's just saying if I was, um, <laughs> I, I would definitely take into consideration he had a, uh, a rapist mustache. So, I mean, <laughs> I would have to really... Wait a minute, Todd. I would have I don't, like, I don't know about you. <laughs> I need rent money and everything, but uh, I think I'll step away from this one. Now, wait a minute, Todd. For the people that are listening... What is a rapist mustache? <laughs> okay, usually it's it's generally found on white men, and 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 it's like a long mustache that's not groomed too good. It's kind of hanging over the top lip, so got some hair over the lip. It's yeah, like great. There's a couple gray hairs in there <laughs> yeah. and dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's, it's like a, a Hitler mustache but longer on the sides. Exactly, salt and pepper, definitely. Yeah. So that, that's, that's it's definitely not blonde. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not blonde like Antonio Brown's. That's yeah. Right. yeah, it's not blonde <laughs> at all. If the color's fading, that's that's a that's a big red flag. Oh, well, yeah, God. like if you do look at a mugshot of this guy or his mugshot, like his famous mugshot, mm. you can mm. look at his face and be like, "Wow, he does have like those dark eyes, though." Yeah, he looks he looks uh, he looks suspect. Like he looks like a freaking kind of like a mean a dude like kind of like a no emotion type of dude but you know obviously that's just a mugshot the way he was able the way he was able to persuade young women Mm -hmm. get them in a truck is a totally different person i'm sure i agree i was gonna say this um maybe just maybe he probably was doing this when he was in nam oh i mean i'm sure you know you know, maybe in Nam though, it was maybe more forceful because it was like he's not even you know in the United States. But yeah, um, That's I think what I'm he so le- like he, I think he learned a lot of ways to be forceful mm-hmm. while he's in the service. Because and, you're over uh, there, like you said, in a whole new country, ain't nobody going to arrest you for it. So you can do practically whatever you want to these people, to the women that you done captured in a sense. You can. Hey, here you go. Test it out. Nobody's going to arrest you for it. They're collateral damage in the, in the sense of war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it just sucks that he brought that mentality over back to the U.S. and you know targeted innocent, you know, young women. Yeah. Yeah, so, I hear that. That sucks, man. Yeah, so, I, 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 and I know prostitution is a dirty job, but still, you, you know. You, you shouldn't be killing these women out there. No, it's, that's what Jeff was talking about. I mean, the cops were dehumanizing them. They were Ugh. they were just like, oh, whatever. You know, if it was a 16-year-old still going to high school doing her thing, it would have been a oh, big easily. story. Easily. Easily. Yeah. I totally agree with you and Jeff on that one. Easily. I think this was definitely uh, watered down to a sense of who cares. Nobody's going to, you know, miss Nobody's them anyways. Yeah. Yeah. 40 different young prostitutes. Come on now. All in the families. same facility? Vicinity, yeah. 
Well, like, how many have I even, like, uh, don't worry about it. Yeah, how Say many have I even gone through, like, already? I mean, there's, as you'll, as you'll come to find out, there's more than 40, but, uh, wow. Um, he confessed to 40. Wow. But there's but more. There's, there's more. There's more. There's more. Um, Becky Marrero, 20 years old. She disappeared December 3rd, 1982. She was found in December, uh, December 21st, 2010. So, 2010? Recent? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, Auburn. And Auburn. Dang. So just remains at that point. Hey, that's, that, isn't that where you are, right? Right, right Jeff? Yeah. And, you know, I, I kind of wish I knew, like, where they were finding me, because I'd, I'd probably go investigate. But uh, I take it you're yeah. a detective just like Todd and Gabby, huh? Oh, I, I'd love to. I'd love to go out and just venture out. But, you know, I wouldn't want to come across no damn body, though. I'm, pr- I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure you could just walk up in a general vicinity, because I know that there is some sites that will show, like, markers from aerial coverage like from satellite pictures where the bodies were you could probably walk up and down the river and try to find something i mean i wouldn't be surprised if you did actually if they're finding stuff that you know i agree if they're finding stuff that yeah. i mean it's been over 10 years ago but still it's somewhat recent and that was in the 80s i, I i'm with you uh todd yeah. i think find something you might be able to find something else over there uh jeff well i'm sure there's like memorial things like you know like uh you know, like family members have left certain things, you know, around where they were found, you know, mm, okay. crosses and all that. Yeah. 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 Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay, right. I, got a, I got a couple more uh, on this list and then uh, we'll do our ending statements for the, for the night. But uh, anyways, we got a Colleen Brockman, 15 years old. She disappeared December 24th, 1982. She was found May 26, 1984, uh, in the Tacoma area. Mm. Mm. And we have a Sandra Major, 20 years old, disappeared also December 24th, and she was found December 30th, 1985. Uh, Sandra Major? Sandra Major. Sandra Major, okay. Yeah. 1985, she was found on my birthday uh in auburn washington wow so now we get into uh 1983 so during that time in 1982 that was what six uh yes the first yeah the first one five right five or six five or six and then all the other ones yeah, I think you're up to about 11 right now. Okay. We're up to 16 in 1982. And I think like five of those were under the age of 18, which is very troubling at that time. <clears throat> very. 31. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so we get into uh, 1983, and uh, I'll leave it at this one. A Wendy Stevens, and this goes on. This is actually his youngest victim, 14 years old. Hmm. She disappeared. Fourteen. Uh, 14. Yeah, fourteen. She disappeared. Uh, disappeared in spring of 1983. 
and she was found March 21st, 1984 in the SeaTac area. So I'll leave it at that. That's his That's his youngest victim, 14 years old. Man, you left it with a bang, uh, Jeff. And, 14. Uh, uh, yeah. 14. She was a runaway. And uh, there was just a new story about her, actually. Um, they were barely just able to identify her not too long ago. Uh, she was found, but they didn't know who she was right away. Um, they were able to uh, put a name to her because she was a Jane Doe at first. Yeah. And not too long, not too long ago, she was in the news. Like this is probably only a few months ago, actually. Um, she was in the news and they were able to put a name on her. And uh, yeah, anyways. So her name is Wendy Stevens. She was a Jane Doe. They put a name to her. She was all skeletal. So it, even after that year, um, her deep her she decomposed that bad within a year. Uh, wow. That seems like the case. Seems like the case we did the other week when uh, you know the killer clown. I mean, they have a lot of these boys that weren't identified you know the dna wasn't clicking so they had to use reverse genealogy so i'm pretty sure that's what they did with this girl too mm. because sometimes the dental records aren't on file you know or they've been thrown away for a long you know it's been a long time man just imagine in, in the whole entire world that we you know live in that there are so many people that were murdered at a young age and not even just at a young age just murdered in general yeah you know, it's just it's just mind boggling to know that that thousands, maybe millions and millions and millions of people have been, you know, are dead due to being murdered. Well, not only that, I mean, their cases are are unsolved to this day. Um, that part, that, that's true. Whether yeah, whether we think that they're missing and their bodies are in the desert somewhere or like the many mountains we have around here. Like I, <laughs> I read an article that just the other day, not to go out too far off the subject, but the homicide rate solving for Los Angeles is 37%. Dang. So 73% chance of getting away with it. And if you go on the website of the LA homicides, it shows pictures and, and and of all the people that have been murdered over the year. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about 400 homicides. They average here in Los Angeles, maybe a little bit more and only 37% are getting solved. That's why there's a lot of murder going on. Yeah. That wow. is crazy. That is a, a very, very crazy number. Yep. Yeah, it is. Um, like I said, this case was easy in the sense of like how, how it's not as detailed as other cases, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And the reason being is because of the sheer numbers of how many people were killed and how many people disappeared in that amount of time. We're talking, we're talking about like a two-year span of rape, strangulation, and murder, basically, with this guy. And uh, you know, he just is, he he doesn't really get caught. I mean. Um, as I'll get, I'll get into it in part two and probably wrap it up. It might take three parts, but I don't think so. Um, okay. I should be able to whip through it, but uh, yeah, 19, right. 1983, 
is I guess like his his big his big year. Okay. It seems like eighty two, I mean what was that? Sixteen I said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sixteen. Yeah, a majority of them are all done in nineteen eighty eighty three. So um Wow. Start, starting with the Wendy Steven. Um, all right. But yeah, um, and then I'll get into a little bit about a son, and I'll get into uh, when they bring him in for uh, questioning and stuff like that on the next episode. It gets kind of interesting. And what was his name again? Gary Leon Ridgway. Gary Leon Ridgway. Wow. All right. Well, so that 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 will end it for part one, then, Jeff. Yeah, I think so. I don't have anything to add. If you guys have any other questions well, or have I'll, anything to add. I'll just say this one thing. Like, my dad is a model railroader, so he likes to, you know, design trains and things like that. And the only reason why I bring that up is because Gary Ridgway looks like an awful lot of those model railroader guys in, when they're retired. And, you know, they're at those <laughs> conventions. So, like, if Gary Ridgway was at a, a train convention with my dad, I'd be like, oh, there's another model railroader over there. We I just looked think, at him right now. Yep, he does. I he wouldn't think like he's... an actor. He kind of does. There's an actor that he resembles a lot. He's got the glasses, got the, the <laughs> nice hair. There's a mustache, like you guys... <laughs> yeah, the rapist mustache is there. It's like... That's the mustache. In all its glory. What's that guy uh, from The Simpsons? Flounder? Oh, f- uh, Flanders. No, nah, kind of looks like Flanders. Flanders. <laughs> he looks Flanders. like Flanders, too. Yeah, and he was religious like Flanders. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's what they got. He kind of look. He kind of looks like he would be like George Bush's brother too. <laughs> hey, maybe, it's maybe that was dead eyes. Okay? Yeah, that's what Jeff said. He had those deep A dark eyes. A lot of the serial killers fit the same profile. Those deep, close together set eyes. You don't think that was his come on line, right? When before he got the uh, girl in the car was highly hello neighbor. You don't think it was like that? <laughs> Just don't do that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to. I'm sorry. Yeah, and then what? I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't even mention this either. He he was able to maintain a job this whole time as well. Get out. He worked at the Kenworth truck plant in Renton. So up until he's caught. You know, for I think it said he worked there for like 26 years. Wow. Um, he held the the same job. You know, he didn't brag about this stuff. He didn't talk about this stuff. Um. So, yeah, he just kept he kept a low profile, even though he was doing some high profile shit. He's a special mm. kind of psychopath because. Um... Same thing with a Golden State Killer. I mean, he retired a truck mechanic the same way. You know what I mean? Like, no one knew. Everyone just thought he had a temper. That was about it. He was your favorite case, huh, Doc? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he kept me up at night. Oh, man. Yeah. You know. All right. And during the time, too, you know, like I said, like, all of his victims are all uh, strangled. So it's not messy. It's not, you know, it's it's not like not gory all over everything and like you know he's not really leaving a bunch of evidence yeah 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 so as we'll get into that in part two we'll get into you know dna and stuff like that and we'll we'll start to talk about stuff like that but you know at this time you know that there is no real thing it's dna at this time you know 
Gotcha, gotcha. Not really, it's not really like a thing back then in the 80s. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Jeff, for that story. This was part one of the Gary Ridgeway uh, story. Uh, thank you, Jeff Howell, for coming in as a special guest, our very first special guest coming in from Auburn, Washington. So he's kind of close to home for him. And so uh, we thank you once again. And for those who are listening, uh, thank you for this one. This was a little different. You know, neither, it wasn't the original three on this one, but it was still good. So we hope you guys enjoyed it. So uh, before we sign off, I want to let you guys know, once again, where you can find us, look us up on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in Grinding to Crime. Uh, if you want to continue to listen to us on the radio, uh, not radio, but you know, when you've got your headphones on, whatever, Go to uh, Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and Pandora. And once again, for all of those listening to us out of the country, if you want to continue to listen to us or spread the word, tell them to listen to us on Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cash. Once again, go to RevBubble.com for merchandise. Type in ToddFox80. And if you can please leave us a five-star liking, we will greatly appreciate it. So... With that being said, uh, this is Maddie Matt along with our narrator for today. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big Jeff coming from uh, Auburn, Washington. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, also, our other host of the show, Gabby, and the other host of the show, Todd Fox. And we are signing off. Toodle. Peace. Y'all come back now. You hear? <laughs>